You're listening to a Bucks Plus audio production on the Bucks Plus Network. Hey, welcome everybody. I'm Marcus Johnson, analyst for the Milwaukee Bucks for the past nine years. Man, time flies when you're having fun. This is my son, Chris. What's up here, District? Chris and I are the only father and son tandems to win a, a championship at the same college. So he won. In the history of basketball. In, uh, yeah, yeah. in the history yeah, yeah, yeah. of basketball. Yeah, not just in the history of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. But, but in the history of basketball. In the history of the game of basketball. He won his in 1995. I won mine 20 years earlier for John Wooden in 1975. So that's a, a distinction that we shall always have. We also played for the same coach at Crenshaw High School, Seahouse, uh, Willie West. You know, Chris has one of the best basketball minds of anyone outside of his grandfather, my father, Jeff, that... Uh, I've ever met. Oh, wow. We like to keep that in the family. A little, a little bit about the Johnsons and what you'll be getting here uh, on the Here District. And what you will also be getting is uh, comprehensive Milwaukee Buck talk. Not so much game-by-game game breakdown, but just kind of um, an overview of where this team is. Look, it's, it, it's going to be a fascinating journey. Your weekly pulse on the Milwaukee Bucks, straight from a Bucks legend. This is Here District with Marcus Johnson, alongside his son and 1995 NCAA champion, Chris. Here's MJ. Your cousin, Chris, from uh, Lakeside Express, uh, Fred Alexander, wrote this song called uh, Fantastic Voyage. Come on, come on, come on. Let's take a ride. Come it's a party over here. They want to jive live, live, all the way live. When you have Isn't that walk. Coolio? I thought that no, was no, Coolio. No, no, well, well, no. He may have, Coolio may have remade it. But Fred Alexander, oh, okay. your cousin, actually wrote My the song. Cousin? Yeah, for the Lakeside Express back in the early 80s. And yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's your, Fred, uh, is Fred still alive? We need to go to a concert. Yeah, we yeah. Well, to I, used to, concert, I used to dude. actually go to, I digress, but I, I would go to, um, their jam sessions in Hollywood at a studio yeah. and he'd always call me up when they were in town trying to put out some new material I actually heard them record that song so uh, you know Dope. it's all good but anyway so this is going to be our own fantastic voyage with this Milwaukee Buck basketball team that is in some serious transitory stages um, <laughs> that caught us all I think a little bit off guard and that was the coaching change that happened I think around January 26th or so, give or take a few days, when Doc Rivers uh, replaced uh, Adrian Griffin. And, and so now we get a chance to see uh, the impact that uh, our, our local guy, local hero at Marquette University, Jersey retired, Doc Rivers, has a chance to kind of put his imprint on this team. And uh, so for me, that's going to be some, some fascinating Fascinating topics and and and, and uh, observations to see what happens with Doc, and so I like it, man. I, I think it's going to be good, positive energy uh, brought to this team that that was sorely needed. I'm always asked, uh, how can you get rid of a guy that's 30 and 13? Well, it was a lot about body language when you when you when you're watching up close and personal, kind of what this team was going through despite the success that they had. Right. Um, you knew that. There was uh, a lack of connection that would one day <laughs> blow up, one day become a problem. Let me put it that way. And um, the Bucks had the easiest schedule uh, the first half of the season. They have, in terms of difficulty, depending on which site you, 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 you believe, 
it's a top three to five difficulty of schedule for the second half of the season. So uh, I respect sure. the fact that John Horst uh, had the cojones, had the, as Bill Raftery might say, onions, <laughs> had the onions to uh, to make the move. Uh, and look, this is no slight on Dr. Griff, as I call him, Ph.D. in organizational leadership, uh, longtime assistant to Nick Nurse, first job as a head coach, blew everybody away in the interview process, it had to go through an arduous interview process. You know how that stuff works, man. And, and uh, from um, the general manager to the owners, had a sit-down with uh, Giannis and uh, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, and they all gave it the thumbs up. So, so it's not like uh, this is a man that didn't deserve this opportunity. He did it based on the way he presented himself, the ideas he presented. Now, I mentioned one name that I think was part of the problem, uh, he expected Drew Holiday to be his point of attack defender. Uh, Drew gets traded uh, for for Dame Lillard, basically. Drew goes to Portland, then, then to Boston. And so now, all of a sudden, everything that you have mapped out over that time period between June when he was hired and, and September when that deal was made, now you, you know, you, you've got to make some adjustments. So that and, uh, you know, just being a first-timer, I thought, was... Uh, was a, was a tough position to be in. So anyway, long story short, the change is made. We get a chance to be in, in, in on it with Doc Rivers to see kind of what he is going to be able to accomplish with this team. And I have a lot of positive vibes for, for, from that. Also, you, we know we're going to have a lot of fan engagements. We're going to have some first. Now, they promised me, our producers promised me, like top of, top of the line guest. Uh, we're going to be able to, to to get for this show. So, oh, did they? Yeah, man. That's man. There's so many Bucks fans out there. There's a wide range of clientele that we can choose from for guests, and I'm excited about that side just to get some some insight from people that may not be former Buck basketball players, yeah. but fans, people people that are well versed in the game and understand what's going on. Have been following the team for a while. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm also excited about. Is a big part of this. Here District podcast will be fan engagement. So fans, you will have an opportunity to do what you do on on X, formerly Twitter, light me up. <laughs> I'll never call that X in my life. It's I, yeah, Twitter, I have, Twitter to the day that yeah, we go down, bro. I, I have a, why is that? Are you you're not going to give Cuz man, no. No, we're boy, not calling it no X. Know. That's like calling the crypto.com. That's like calling the stapleCenterCrypto.com. Crypto, yeah, we're not calling it crypto. Arena. Yeah, yeah. I'm not calling it crypto. I call it the crypto. <laughs> you call it, 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 it Mama named it Staples. You going to always be Staples, right? We going to call it Staples. We going to call it Staples. Yeah. So so yeah, Mama named it Twitter. I think uh I I have to kind of force myself to even say X, but I see the icon on my cell phone all the time, so I'm kind of getting more and more used to it. So fan engagement, fans, you'll have a chance to, you know, uh, speak your voice in terms of how you feel about this situation as this season progresses. So a lot of exciting things happening with the Milwaukee Bucks, Chris, a lot of, a lot of change. And, you know, change is always a bit uncomfortable initially, you know, because you get so so used to it. That, that happens uh, when... Uh, the last coach uh, uh, before Adrian Griffin, uh, Mike Budenholzer, was here and did a tremendous job, led this team to their second championship in 50 years in 2021. Chris, that was like, you were here. That was the greatest, man. If we could duplicate that energy. I mean, that, and, and the beautiful thing about that was that 
because of COVID, the season was kind of pushed back. So now we're we're in the playoffs in June and July, and it's eighty yeah. degrees outside, and we got yeah, you know forty fifty thousand fans in the in in the Deer District. And so here at the Here District, you know, we want that same kind of energy. Now it's going to be a little bit colder. You know, a little bit colder, not as not as fan friendly in terms of just kind of hanging out in front of Pfizer. But, man, we want that same kind of energy with the fan engagement that we're going to have. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, first things first, talk about these bucks some fan engagement. Uh, we wanted to address this team coming out of the All-Star break. Now, go, going into the break. The Bucks were what three and seven under Doc Rivers, and so I saw a lot of naysayers bemoaning the fact that there wasn't more initial success. And um, you got an opinion on that? Why you think they were, they were a little slow, kind of getting started with Doc? Um, there was a lot of reasons. I thought, basing it off of you know comments that Giannis made to the media, and then understanding just the process of acclimating a crew to your system takes time. Giannis had mentioned how in the beginning when Doc first got there in the shoot-arounds, the players were trying to prove themselves, if you will, to the new staff, going hard, you know, uh, showing a lot of effort and intensity in the shoot-around. And by the time the game comes, this is what Giannis said, hey, our our legs were a little tired. (laughs) And I think that had a little bit to do, or a lot a bit to do with the 3-7. and And then obviously, MJ, there's that process of figuring things out um the connectivity being established defensively and offensively like it takes time Rome yeah. wasn't building a day you know you got to have a foundation and then build blocks on top of the foundation and so you they went through a tough stretch yeah. um but you saw even through the tough stretch you saw the improvements you saw in the data that they were improving across the board they were improving in areas that they need to improve in to be a championship caliber squad. Now they weren't perfect, but improvement, yeah. incremental gains. Well, and, and that's what I saw doing three and seven. Yeah, and the main thing for me was um, the defense um, has been, you know, re-jiggered, yeah. uh, for lack of yeah. a better term. But but, and it was necessary. I mean, the offense before the change was made was a top five, I think, top three, depending on which site that you. Um, adhere to because I you know for me I I love cleaning the glass so there's a guy named Ben Falk who wrote and came up with this great basketball site for stats and analysis and all kinds of good stuff but the thing about his site it it, it cleans out a lot of the noise and noise is you know heaves and 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 garbage time when you know you can sort of uh, you know skew the stats sometimes in your favor or to your detriment depending on the circumstances but his site cleans out all that no no heaves in percentages, no garbage time, uh, and, and he, his definition, you know, down with 10 or more with whatever time left on the clock. He's got this specific definition of garbage. So I like I love Ben Falk's cleaning the glass. So, and then also NBA.com is, a, is just kind of a go-to, another go-to. And we're trying to get some other more sophisticated uh, statistical analysis going on around here. We'll see how that goes. I won't won't put it out there just yet. And we're working on some things. So we're trying to bring you like a... Our, our listeners like a comprehensive, comprehensive understanding of, of this team because again I think it's going to be just a fascinating, fascinating ride for all of us and uh, uh, this team. So now three and seven uh, going into the All Star break, defense had improved. Defense was in the twenties somewhere um, pre break. 
like, can we get into just from what you have noticed on the defensive end as far okay. as the nuances, the small things, the finer details of the improvement defensively? What have you noticed specifically from different from the Bucks? Well, the main thing you just you just said it the uh, the subtleties uh, defensively. And so you got Rex Kalamian, who is a really good, good defensive mind. Uh, it's funny, we, we got another guy, Dave Yorger, who, who coached in uh, Memphis and with Sacramento. Now, he was brought to Memphis, Chris, uh, as an assistant, I, I believe to Lionel Hollins. Uh, but as an assistant, his, his duties at that point were to shore up the defense. And they went over a four or five season period, they went from, you know, ranked in the mid twenties to the mid teens to the, you know, the tenth or eleventh to all the way to Well, well yeah, all the way to top five. I'm just saying with Dave Yeager's yeah. imprint on that yeah. defense. So even though he is the offensive and look, you know, I always feel like this too. If you're a great defensive coach, you can't help but be a really, really good offensive coach because you've got to figure out you know, how to defend certain schemes and what's most effective against this type of defense. So it works both ways. So we've got a really, really good staff that Doc brought in to help with that. So what I've, I've, what I've noticed to answer your question is, um, is, is positioning, uh, subtleties, uh, foot positioning. I've seen players uh, corrected in terms of where, the direction their feet are pointing. You know, if you point your feet this direction, you'll be able to recover to that three-point shooter a beat or two sooner, which gives you a much better and more effective means of contesting a shot. Um, uh, a, a scramble switch, that's a term that means if, if, if Dame Lillard is in a pick and roll and he switches on to a bigger player, 6'10 or bigger, strong, you know, he's going to be at a disadvantage. So what the Bucks are really doing a great job of, and we saw a great example, I think, in the Minnesota game, when uh, on yes. the weak side, away from the ball, that low big guy will go up to Dame and, t- and kick him out. Yes. You know, kick him out of there. Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder was a guy that and, – and to, to your point about that, I thought that was – it was a fascinating play because the quickness in which the information was processed. Dame talked to Jay. It was like a tap. Yeah. And then dude switched. Jay was not late on his switch. He got on his guy early enough. Dame was right there. And MJ, I'm seeing more and more of those type of instances from the Bucks defensively to where there's just an raised level of yeah. connectivity on defense where dudes are sharing the same brain. Right. And, and so what's the importance of that? I've done a little research, and over the years I've seen this play out over and over again. The best defensive teams, and you know, I've gone back as far as the Spurs in the, the 2014-2015 when they were always top five, even before that, but that, that, that's the most recent that I'll, I'll reference. You'll see that teams with a lot of veterans who are great defensive teams, when you look at the NBA.com stats on speed and distance, they don't do a whole lot of running around. So their distance is one of the lowest in the league, and then they don't do it real fast. And so their speed so is one quick. of the lowest. So real quick, what? how do you correlate the distance thing as far as with this Bucks team? Like, why is that a thing? You don't want people running around? It takes away from your offense. You don't want to exert yeah. all your energy, you know, just going from side to side, fighting through every screen, chasing these great shooters around, two and three screens, every single position. And, and the opposition is smart. And they, and they know that if you are employing that kind of defensive scheme where you're not switching, you're having your guys fight through, 
they'll they'll run damn ragged. You know, they'll run Beasley ragged, which they're almost already doing. And, and, and major props to Malik Beasley because he's showing the level of conditioning that he came into this season with still being, being able to light it up from the three-point line and show an, an, an increased effectiveness uh, at the point of attack and fighting through screens. You know, guys are still getting their numbers, but they're not doing it as efficiently as they, as they normally do. So it, it saves yeah, a lot a of wear point. and tear. Yeah, it does. No, that's a great point about the efficiency part of things. And to the defensive efficiency, what you're speaking to are guys aren't – there's not as much wasted motion. Right. Now, MJ, you remember you asked me to look at some footage months ago. This is when Dr. Griff was coach, right? You asked me to look at some defensive stuff. Now, in the film – and we use synergy around these parts. Now, in the film, in the footage, I noticed that the Bucks closeout guys on defense were doing fundamentally unsound movements so everything was just looking like loosey-goosey you yeah. didn't care about closing out with a high hand or where your feet placement were you you know remember beasley was like punching at the guy's stomach and then punched at his i mean guys were joking around i mean it looked like they were joking around in the middle of a closeout right. i kid you guys not we're going to pull this footage up i'm going to put it on my twitter but the reality is when you get a guy like doc rivers in the building he comes in demanding respect. You can hear it from Giannis. You hear it from Dame. You hear it from Middleton. You hear it from everybody on that team. It's a different sound in their voice when they talk about Doc. It's almost like they know they got somebody in the building they can count on who they don't have to worry about. They're going to trust him blindly. Doc says, do this. Okay, Doc, you won 1,200 yeah. games. It's like what Giannis said about between the difference between Doc, uh, Doc Rivers and Adrian Griffin. Doc's won 1,100 and some games. Adrian was 30-13. That's, that's all yeah. I need to hear from Giannis. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Adrian's a nice guy, but, you know, Doc Rivers, man, come on. Yeah, yeah. And and to your point, I mean, you don't coach 24 years in this league, which means that you're breaking down voluminous reels of game footage, and you've seen every action and every reaction to every action and every counteraction to every reaction to every action. Doc has forgotten more, more basketball than most of Absolutely. us will ever know. When you coach Absolutely. 24 years in this league, as sophisticated as the scouting and the video and all that technology, uh, you know we're dealing with second spectrum. We're dealing with a whole new system uh, this season where they've got about 15 cameras mounted where they can just cover every single motion and movement, and uh, they're still trying to figure out you know how to clean up some of that data. But when you've got all that kind of information at your fingertips. You know a whole lot about the game of basketball. Plus, he's won a championship in 2008. Now, some people call that Boston Celtic team uh, with the defense. People say orchestrated by Tom Thibodeau. But Doc, Doc was the head coach. He's the one giving the thumb, you know, the, the thumbs up, the, the, the seal of a. Yes, approval. we're gonna run this. Yeah, no, right, Doc. How do you this. feel about? Tips. Yeah, well, Thibs, I don't like that. Nah. I, oh, listen, Thibs, I don't, you know. Doc in the gravelly, you know, the, the, the twenty-four years of screaming, screaming coach's Doc. voice, <laughs> you know. But but I, I love, hey, his larynx is gone. <laughs> his larynx, larynx is, is gone. Is, is struggling. <laughs> it's struggling right now, and, and, it's, and it's funny. But people always confuse me and Doc for each other i think more so me than doc they come up to me doc rivers i'm like no nah, well, it's because you guys still have that amazing well, hairline and it's like you guys as, 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 as dudes <laughs> this age okay to still have yeah. a hairline yeah okay? and yeah. that type of head well, like you and doc have a similar yeah, I'm, shaped I'm about, head trust my man. Me, i'm grateful <laughs> but but so i shaved my beard and all that off coming out of all-star break i want to just have a new 
whole new look, whole new feel, whole new vibe for this team. But my thing now, Chris, is that uh, I'm like Doc's big brother. He's Doc Rivers. I'm old man. I'm old man Rivers. That's Doc Rivers. Okay, old, yeah. man Rivers. old man Rivers. <laughs> I'm, old, I'm old man. So, but no, but, but work, whatever works. Yeah, but 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 24 years as a head coach in this business. Yep. NBA championship coached. Let's rattle off some of the superstars: uh, KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, uh, uh, Joel Embiid. Uh, who do you have in LA? Chris Paul. Dwight How- Wait, Grant Grant Hill. Grant Hill down uh, in, Orla- in Orlando. Orlando. Tracy McGrady for sure. Was Trace- he T Mac? Yeah, yeah. Tracy McGrady for T-Mac. sure. T Mac for sure. Because T Mac had that great T-Mac. series, T-Mac. I think, against the Pistons where they went up three one, and then uh, the Pistons came back when the Pistons were an Eastern Conference finalists. And that's one of the things Doc gets knocked for. I think he's coached the most Hall of Famers in NBA history. Really? See, I so, think that's I'm, somebody has to look that up for us. But I think I saw that somewhere on Twitter where yeah. they said Doc prob- has put like close to the most, or he. Yeah. He's up yes, there I believe in it. the conversation. Well, 24 of guys. years. 24 years, and it's been a successive. It's like Orlando to help me out. Los Angeles was that the second stop for him, pretty much. I know he's done some TV work uh, in, in between, and then the Sixers I, no, I after think it that. Was Boston. Yeah, Boston. Yeah. Boston. You're right. Okay. You're right. Boston. Boston, Orlando, Boston was Boston. Boston was next. Boston, Orlando, then Boston. And then had all the yeah. success in Boston, then goes to the Clippers and goes to the Sixers. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. coached so many great players. So, and so how's that? Relevant, well, you've got two of the top, what, 15, 20, 10, 12 players in the league. Giannis definitely top five. Dame, where do you put him? Maybe top. You probably have two. Yeah, top two, 10 top 15, to 12. 12. Yeah, Dame 15, is top 15. Somewhere in there. Know, you know. But anyway, bottom line is level. two of the best players in the NBA that you've got to be able to communicate with. And I've watched Doc without giving away any inside baseball. Uh, the, the Bucks are really you know, they like to kind of keep things that happen in the sanctity of practice and all that, which I respect a lot uh, in that in that in that uh, in that venue. But I will say this, that Doc spares no punches in terms of his criticism, his correction, his cajoling, you know, everything. He just goes after from the first guy to the last guy. Uh, he will tell you what he feels like. And he even what I like about Doc the most, he is self-deprecating in terms of just admitting that that himself is that he's not going to always get it right, you know. And, right. But the bottom line is that we're all in this together for a common cause, common goal. That's to win the NBA championship. So if there's some issues, let's talk them out. He's big on communication. It's obvious. This is obvious, MJ. Not to cut you off, but I, I love this point because today in the game against um, the Sixers, there was a moment, second half, Brooke. Uh, it was a play, pick and roll, or some swing, swing. Brooke knocks down the three. They're about to cut to a commercial, and you see Dame and Brooke kind of just chopping it up. Mm-hmm. Discussion. Brooke's telling Dame, "My bad, oh big, my bad, baby." You know, yeah. and they're kind of pointing over here. Dame's talking, but that's just something that I didn't see too much of right. when I was watching the Bucks early in the season. It seems like Doc has come in and empowered vets to be yeah. vets. Yeah. Those dudes are vets for a reason. And when right. you're a vet, you have like a higher power, a higher learning. I mean, you just have like you know powers that are that rookies and first, yeah. second, third year guys don't have because of experience. And so now. When you sign a Gallinari, right, and you're going to play Pat Bev, Connington, and these guys, high minutes, right, these vets, yeah, right? Bobby Portis, yeah. Bobby P., when you, get, when you get them out there, they are doing things defensively that is straight-up vet-like. So we're talking about communication, and you yeah. talked about positioning. Those are the two biggest differences that I see. These guys are... 
are textbook and fundamentally sound in everything that they're doing from closeouts to attaching to people's hips, getting right. through screens to tagging, bumping. I mean, everything looks like how you're supposed to yeah. teach it. And you don't usually see that on the pro level, just like so like fine-tuned, only from the championship exactly. teams yeah. will you see this type of stuff. You see that with the Miamis. You know, you see that with, yes. with teams that yes. are coached exactly. by these coaches that have been around a long time and know what the hell they're doing and know how to get these veterans to buy in to what they want them to do. Right. But they're also smart because right. Doc's thing is um, a recurring thing with him is that he wants to simplify so that guys can play with fire. They don't have to th- overthink. Yeah. He wants to make things yeah. simple defensively. We're talking more than anything else. So now they, all they got to do is go out there and play hard, execute, and give them everything you got emotionally and physically and mentally and spiritually and psychically and, and, and keep them from having to overthink the game of basketball. And you know as a player that's played on the highest levels, when you can just go out there and, 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 and read and react and just play. Hoop. It's, it's, hoop. it's fun. Oh, man. Just hoop. It's fun. Just hoop. It's fun. Man. It makes the game so much. And I remember in my days with the Bucks, we started out, out as an offensive juggernaut the first two or three years, 115, 114 points a game. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I actually like playing defense. You, you wouldn't know it by <laughs> some of the films you can see of me. But, but I actually like playing defense a lot more because it was like a chess match. You know, we, we were anticipating moves. Anticipating, they call a play out. We all know what the play is. We know how we're going to stop it, how we're going to defend it. I know who's got my back. Junior Bridgman's got to rotate over here. Sidney Minor Creep's going to deny. I'm going to get his back in case this man gets We're going to force guys one direction or the other. I'm seeing that with Doc Rivers and this team. And as we talked about yes, with a veteran, well, a veteran team, we talked about it earlier, you've got to help these guys conserve their energy. And when they do that, you'll see the offense all of a sudden now start to flow and pick up uh, a lot better. And one of the best energy conservers in basketball is that let's force this guy this way. Right. Because now you're taking away a whole side. And that this it's the little things like that that are making the game easier yeah. for these dudes. And so I touched on offense. One of the additions I think that, w- that will help this team offensively is a guy that I, I just I've always had this <laughs> this fascination about nothing to do with basketball. It's all kind of numerology. You know, what's my favorite number? What's my favorite number? Eight. Okay, so eight. We, know, we know I'm born on February 8th, number eight, in the rafters at Serve. Thank you, Peter Fagan. Uh, so so eight, eight's always been my favorite number. There, there was a guy at UCLA named Joe Spivak back in 1973 that showed me this, <laughs> this, 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 this spherology. How two spheres yeah. was, you know, no, no beginning, no ending. It was infinity. And he, you put them together, it makes yeah. the number eight. He showed me that there was a cartoon character back in the early 60s uh, called Tovar, the eighth, uh, Tobar, the eighth man. They, 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 they prototyped seven different robots. And finally, on the eighth one, they got it right. So he was Tobar. Tobar is robot spelled backwards. Tobar. It was uh, yeah. sponsored by Lucky Strike Cigarettes, so they do a lot of smoking on the cartoons. So that was a whole other whole other thing. But but so Tobar the eighth man. So the, so eight has always been a number I've been fascinated with. Then I find out. So Gallinari's always had like war number eight. He's war number eighty eight. I said, well, let me see what's going on in his background that that gives him permission to take my number and do what he does with it. This guy Chris was born August eighth. 1988. <laughs> that's so, crazy. So, yeah, so he's always been someone that's been on my radar because of that. But he's a baller. Now, he played with Doc with the Clippers. I looked it up. I think he averaged like just under 20 points a game one year. He's all, you know, a few seasons of 16, 17 points a game. Now he's 35 years old. Those days are behind him. But I like this acquisition. I think, and 
not just for offense, which, you know, he can 38% three-point shooter. Um, last two or three years, he's had some years close to 40%, so he's still got that stroke. But defensively, breaking down the footage of him on defense, he's got quick feet. You know what that means. At 35 years old, 6'10", 240, 235 with quick feet, he can, he can, he keep, can, guy, he can keep guys in front of him. He's not... He's not the defensive liability that a lot of people online have have come out and said well, they think he'll be. Well, I think you got to find, you know, how do we get the most out of Gallo defensively? What can we get out of him? I think what you're talking about, quick feet. So you're talking about things like stunning, that little quick show and get back to a guy. Understand, sliding for a couple of steps left or right to stop dribble penetration. These are the things that Gallo can do. And, you know, He's a good passer. He's a good swing yeah. guy. He's a good conduit in the <coughs> offense as well as far as moving that thing around. Not only is he a threat, and you have to respect him for spacing, yeah. but he can also pass the basketball. He can play. He knows how to play basketball. He's a basketball player. He's a basketball player. Um, and, you know, we love him, the, the whole Italian connection. We spent a year, uh, me and the family, at the tail end of my, my career in Udine, found out that one of Udine, our assistants, uh, Patrick Mutombo, who played for uh, he Mike? Played there. Well, he played for Mike Dunlap. He played for Mike Dunlap at um, at um, Metro State. They won a championship D two back in the early two thousands, I believe. Then then uh, Patrick Matuma went over to Udine, played in Udine, and played against Gallinari. Talk about six degrees of oh, basketball yeah. separation. Played against Gallinari over in Italy, and so um, he's going to help this team. You know, and 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 he's. He made a play watching the Sunday game against the Sixers where he caught it at the free throw line in the ISO, smaller defender. Defender got underneath him, held the ball above his head, just kind of kind of surveyed the court. And I think it was Connaughton or somebody, Jay Crowder, somebody cut back door. Boom, laser. Got it right there. Layup. I mean, those types of smart basketball players are going to help. And again, I say this. I'm going to go out on a limb here because a lot of people online are talking about uh, the, the 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 porous defense that he's gonna uh, present yeah. with this team. I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. And, and you look at his synergy stats. I mean, ISOs he rates out as very good. You know, uh, other other I think pick and roll a couple of years he ra- ranked uh, you know very good to excellent. So you look at those stats. It's not like he's some guy who uh, teams are just dominating. Uh, when they run certain actions against him, because he's smart, he's a smart, highly intelligent basketball player. So I like that move. Yeah, and, you, and there's a lot to be said for a 35 year old vet that is an intelligent basketball player that understands how to use positioning, conserve energy to his advantage. Um, defensively, when you have Gallo and you have Bobby Portis in the game at the same time, it was really interesting to watch them play together. And, and I, you know, I was like, you know, viewing them through that lens, like that real serious lens on defense, just to see kind of what time it is. Man, people are playing in a stance. Arms are out. There's a lot and a lot of talking. Yeah. And there's a lot of early movement going right. on in regards to switching, beating people to spots. And there's incredible effort on fighting through screens that's what i've seen connington everybody fighting through and you made this point when we talked earlier uh when you've got Giannis as your roamer as a guy kind of cleaning up you know Giannis was that's crazy was he defensive player of the year he was dang close if he wasn't i think he was right there uh four or five years ago he was always in that conversation uh during his mvp years and and, and so when you've got Giannis, and and let's talk about Giannis, man this dude 
the evolution of Giannis and Dedekumpo over the last nine years since I've been here has been nothing short of remarkable. And I got here when he was about 20, maybe just turning 21 in, in December, I believe. And it's like you didn't know what you had back then. You know, you saw this yeah. length and athleticism and 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 zest and energy and 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 and, and vigor for the game of basketball. I got to just and and appreciation and humility yeah. and gratitude. All that rolled up into one, but you still didn't know what you had. I mean, he was averaging yeah. maybe 16, 15, 16 points a game, seven, eight rebounds, and I didn't know. You know, I thought it could go as a ceiling. You know. 20 points, 21 points, make a couple of all-star teams, possibly. What happened, my second or third year, the team was not going to the playoffs. Jason Kidd, the former coach, put him at the point forward position and put the ball in his hands. And Chris, from that February on, he had probably five or six triple doubles. I mean, then you saw kind of what, what he what he what he brought to the table. And Jason Kidd, it was funny, he would be in practice. I saw this firsthand. He would stand on his chair instructing Giannis. So he could be the same size, so he could see what Giannis was seeing in terms of passing angles. And uh, again, we were talking about this Giannis's ability—that that that left-handed pass against the Timberwolves, coming full speed down the center of the floor. He did a couple of. He made two left, yeah. two or three. What was it? What was it? What was the other ones? There was another one. He did the same kind of flail over his head, and it just hit the mark. I mean, it was like two. It was two that were thrown where you're just like, "What is he doing?" And then all of a sudden, it's just a yeah. dime right into the dude's shot pocket. I yeah. mean, that was like. Unbelievable. Yeah, and he did one of those to Bobby Portis that, I mean, he's flying down the center, jumps in the air, that never looks at Bobby, and flings that thing <laughs> over his shoulder left-handed on, 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 a, on a line that hits. And this is the most important thing, folks, and this is a stat that they actually measure how many times the passer is able to hit that shooter right in the shooting pocket. And that's the thing about Giannis's passes. More often than not, that may be a little off to the left, off to the right, but for the most part, it's all about just picking that thing up when he passes, catching it and shooting it. And 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 it catches the defense so much by surprise that it buys you as a shooter. And you knew this, you know, you're a great, great shooter. It'll buy you that extra counter to to get the seams right, you know, to to, to just you gotta take a little bit quick quick breath before you whatever you, whatever your routine is to make you shoot more effectively, you've got time to do that. So yeah. Yeah, and you you've been seeing him deliver the ball to guys like Beasley and Connington on these yeah. like swing swing plays when them dudes are open and they're knocking down shots. Dad, talk to me about though really quickly how amazing this guy's leadership has been through what four coaches or four changes in coaches in the last year from Bud to 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 Joe Prunty to Doc. So you've had four different guys that were leading this this team, this organization in the last year. Giannis is the constant he's kept this team top four throughout all of this how much credit goes to Giannis and how much credit do the Bucks actually deserve as a crew for just getting stuff together getting acclimated so quickly throughout the changes and that's and that's a great point I mean this team has showed a lot of grit a lot of resolve Giannis leading the way as your as your as your superstar uh, and I'm not, you know, Dane obviously is Dame. You know, Dane's yes. been beautiful. Yes. But 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 Giannis is 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 the face of the franchise. You know, Giannis is, is right. he's re-upped. You know, when people didn't know if he was going to extend, he's extended it before he had yeah, to. He did it. Taking less money yeah. in the process, possibly for doing yeah. so. And so I give him so much credit, Chris, for just his maturation. I can remember before 
he had any kids. He's just kind of doing his thing. And he used to always tell me how he wanted to have a family and be a family guy, how important that was to him. He came from a family of, what, four brothers, five brothers, whatever it is. And um, now he's there. Now he's got this family. He's got this great family situation. And he's at the top of his game, two-time MVP. I mean, for me, it, it, it brings chills uh, just thinking about where he was when I first got here and where he is now to see the growth. Not only as a basketball player, that's been exponential, but his growth as a person has, has, has mirrored and reflected step-by-step step his growth as a basketball player. Yeah, and in his movie, um, Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, I mean, it's really like one of the most powerful sports documentaries I've ever seen. I'm sitting there crying through like what 75% of the crying, film Chris? on basic stuff. I'm crying at the sight of Giannis as a 13-year-old ball boy <laughs> oh, on the sideline playing on Thanos. And when Thanos is playing D2 Greece, Giannis is chilling on the sideline with the jersey on, 12, oh, 13, baby face. But it's just like when you watch this movie, okay, you get a real understanding of who this dude is where he came from, how difficult his upbringing was with his brothers, the obstacles that he faced in Greece, man. And then how about that? he is so down for his family. Yeah. He's he is like, he's old. He, there's, I haven't seen someone, a professional athlete, so convicted just about his family. Yeah, yeah. About, you know, and the, the thing that stood out um, about about the, the movie probably the most was his love for his brothers. Like, yeah. I, I understand this thing with Thanasis. Thanasis brought him to America. They That yeah. was their first time ever leaving Greece together was the NBA draft. That was the wow. first time these two dudes had ever left the country and they go to America to get drafted. It's just Giannis and Thanasis, man. You got to be kidding me. So I suggest everybody watch the movie yeah. if you haven't watched it already. Well, I can go on and on. I think that's a whole other episode, Dad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it's it, just... It is. So amazing. It is. But but again, to the people that like to put together blooper reels on Thanasis and question whether or not he belongs in the league, first of all, let me just say this. Thanasis represents culture for the Bucks with his hustle, his energy, just like three or four years ago. And every time you put him in, he'd make something happen, good, bad, and different. He'd do something to spark the team. So so look, I'm not saying Thanasis is this world-beating all-star, but in terms of skill level, he belongs in, in, in the role that he's in. Please. And then what he's bringing for Giannis— Whatever comfort level he, he presents for Giannis is more than worth him occupying a roster spot on his basketball team. Absolutely. Yeah. I love his energy. That whole family's energy is yeah. just really unique. It's different. They stand out, man. They yeah. stand out. Yeah, and we talked about, I mean, you know, just, just the, the, the struggles in Greece and, 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 and uh, having to be evicted from different uh, living situations and being on the run from from uh, race baiting kind of groups over and I mean can you imagine yeah. growing up in that kind of environment and that's why Giannis is who Giannis is that's why he has an appreciation for everything gifted to him blessed that he's been blessed with here and it, it shows in his attitude and it shows in his performance on the floor too man I've always noticed that about him, just his appreciation for being in the game. Yeah. I, there was this last thing on the Giannis movie, and I don't want to give away too much of it, but there was a point in there where they were interviewing, I believe it was Horst, and he was talking about when Charles passed and how Giannis and his family, they wanted to be in the gym. They wanted to hang out at the facility or they wanted to be in the gym. I have to rewatch it, but it was such a poignant moment just to to hear them talk about how he wanted to be 
at the Bucks facility. Right. But no, you got to watch the movie. Okay. You got to watch the movie. Yeah, yeah, Giannis absolutely adored this place. And like this was like his sanctuary yeah. because this was the fir- the place that he developed his game. And this was where he spent all them hours, them early right. hours when he first came from Milwaukee, you know, uh, from Greece yeah. to Milwaukee. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and he was one of those guys that when he found out about the, the, the shoes that he had access to as an NBA player, he's like, well, how much do I have to pay for him? Like, no, no, bro, take it. you get it for free. You don't, you don't have to pay. He said, wow. You know, and, and that just, I mean, it's just refreshing. But as we wind this thing down, let's talk quickly about the week to come. Uh, we've got uh, a tough schedule in terms of the amount of games kind of sandwiched into a small amount of time with three games in four days. Quick story. My first time, Chris, playing three games in a row, rookie year. I looked it up. It was December, like, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. We played the the the, the Bullets, the, the the Knicks, then had an overtime game against the Nets that third night in a row. I think I played 44 minutes in the overtime game. I had 18 rebounds, 25 points in that <laughs> overtime win. And then we had practice Monday. We played Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There was practice Monday and a game Tuesday. So for that practice, practice. that practice Monday, I got on the phone Every muscle in my body was hurting. I was aching so bad. Probably averaged 40 minutes a game, three in a row. A lot of energy, a lot of rebounds, whatever, whatever. Guarding Elvin Hayes one night, guarding you know Bernard King the next night. So I called up our secretary, and a little bit reticent because I, you know, I didn't first practice. I was going to skip possibly, and I said, Jean, Jean Schuler was her name, Nellie's secretary, Don Nelson's secretary. I said, Jean, listen. Um, you know, I'm really sore right now. I don't think I can make it to practice. Do you think you could tell Nelly? She's like, oh, yeah, well, Marcus, Nelly, Nelly already told me that you'd call, and he's, he was expecting you to stay home, so just enjoy, enjoy your day off. <laughs> and then came back and played Tuesday and had a great game. But my point is that these guys are faced with, a, with, with something uh, that's, that's taxing in this day and age. Um, uh, they're going to play Charlotte twice, play the Chicago Bulls after that. Uh, but again, I just like the way, based on the two games coming out of the All Star break, I love the, I love the mindset. I, I love, I love the spirit. I love the spirit that these guys are showing as as a basketball team, a collective basketball team. And a lot of times, that's enough to get you through. And these kinds of uh, foxhole moments where we, we've got this tough schedule could almost serve as a as a as a thing that that that, that binds you together even stronger as a basketball team. They just got to be consistent and yeah. stay locked into this energy, as always. Yeah, and and the thing we talked about, because of the way the defense is being constructed now, it's more about energy conserving and being efficient and productive defensively. Yes. And so I think all that kind of, you know, added to it with the newness of the success they've just had with the two road victories, I'm looking forward to seeing how this thing goes. So next week we'll have a whole lot to talk about, and hopefully we'll have as much uh, – Positive, uh, positive vibrations. Um, have you seen that Bob Marley movie yet, man? By the way, positive. Speaking of positive vibrations, no, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to see, it, see yeah. it. Okay, I got to check that out. But anyway, uh, they sold they sold out the Bob. Man. I'm not watching. <laughs> all right, all right. But anyway, I want to see some positive vibrations, man. Uh, the next time we hook up, and uh, <laughs> yeah, man. So it's gonna be fun. Uh, the here district, we got it right here. Podcast, Marcus Johnson. Chris Johnson, everything Bucks you want to know. Next next week we'll probably do more fan engagement, do some fan engagement, have you get involved. Uh, we're going to have some outstanding guests. And, uh, again, it's just going to be a fantastic voyage, live, live, all the way live. Don't even have to walk. Don't even have to drive. It's going to be a fantastic voyage, baby. It's live. <laughs> it's all the way live. <laughs> nice. All right, man. I'll see you next week. All right, brother. See you next week, brother.